We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 113. Scott, today we will be joined by Yankees' first-round draft pick from last year, Blake Rutherford. We just got finished recording with him. He is a really, really nice kid. Uh, It's amazing, though, to think that he was born in 1997. You and I were talking about that. It's just crazy how, how young some of these players are starting to get. Yes, they're they're extremely young, as you mentioned, very very nicely, and I appreciate that. I was in high school <laughs> when this kid was born, so senior in yeah, high school, senior in high school, right? Almost graduating from high school, but um, no, it's I tell you what, like you said, the kids, he's he's a very 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 nice guy. He is he seems to be very grounded, and I'm sure that's from his family. It sounds like he's got a very big support system that does a lot mm-hmm. of very good things for him. So, um, the family's grounded in. Do a lot of good things. I mean, they, they just put on a camp for uh, special needs kids. I mean, this a, a 19, 20 year old guy doing that. That's to me, that's unheard of. That's uh, that's that tells a, a lot about who he is as a person. And that's a, that's a good sign on the field. Obviously we know what he can do. The guy is highly touted. Um, so all of that stuff I think is going to support what, you know, what he can be on the field. It's uh, all positive things. I mean, there's really not, not much negative to talk about this guy. Yeah. It's so crazy to think like when you and I think about when you were 19, and I'm thinking about when I was 19, helping out people in need was the last thing on my mind. And it's not that I'm a bad person. It's just that at that age, it's not what you're thinking about. So I don't know. I think you're kind of a bad person because I was volunteering. All right. You were out there all the time. Yeah. Help, helping I was. Out I was volunteering. Yeah. I was, volunteering uh, was it court-ordered volunteering? Zero court orders, all voluntary. Was it for your frat? Nope. Um, But, but like I said, it's just um, – Really, really enjoyable to talk to Blake, and I and we're we're really excited for him uh, to have a have a big year this year. So 
we'll look for that. But before we get there, I want to mention that Scott and I are going to start doing some Yankees TV show and movie podcast reviews. These will be individual standalone podcasts. We've decided we're going to start these in February. And the first movie we're going to do is 61. The movie that Billy Crystal made about 1961 when Maris and Mantle went at the home run record. Scott, when's the last time you watched that movie? Probably when it came out. It's been a long time. Okay, so you're going to be raw going into this. So what what we're hoping to do here is it's a couple weeks from now. We're going to record it early February, probably the first weekend in February. Uh, Maybe that Saturday, Scott, we can have a few drinks and and discuss the movie. But uh, we want you guys to go out there, watch the movie, go illegally, download it from somewhere, watch it, and then uh, send us some mailbag questions or some tweets. Uh, whatever you guys think about the movie and we'll use that in the podcast and we got some other things on the docket and if you have any recommendations for shows or yankees related or even baseball related movies you want us to discuss let us know so scott you ready to get into the blake rutherford interview let's do it let's do it Now joining us on the podcast is Blake Rutherford, outfielder for the Yankees. Blake, thanks for joining us. What's up, man? Nothing much. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's a pleasure uh, to be able to do this podcast and um, hopefully get to know the Yankee fans better and they'll get to know me better. We were just talking before we started recording and you said you're anxious to get going with this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, coming out of high school, this is the first real offseason I've had and uh, it's been a real productive one. I've put on a lot of... Uh, good weight a lot of good things have been happening but i'm definitely anxious to get back and get playing uh i haven't had this much time off of baseball in a while so it's definitely uh made my drive to play and my love for the game even stronger it's yeah. funny when you think about it because i don't think a lot of people realize that you go i mean you're going directly from high school you were just drafted out of high school and and going into play pro ball so i mean all of your all of the all your friends we were talking about this before all your friends are everybody's off of college and now you're uh, you're going to play pro ball. So there's it's been a, a a bit of a strange off season. Is that is that accurately describe it? Yeah, I mean that's real accurate. I mean I got to see my friends obviously during Thanksgiving break and Christmas break. But other than that, um, all my best friends are off playing. Um, pro, uh, I mean are all off either playing college baseball or just off in college. So um, it's been a lot more. Uh, time at home a lot more time with the family and just kind of being able to focus more on my craft and on my game and I think that that's what that's what has allowed it to be a real productive offseason is just the alone time I've had I've been able to grow as a person and as a player and I think that it's going to be real beneficial um, as the season comes along so what'd you do in the offseason other than working out getting getting shredded in the gym like the rest of the Yankees who are posting all those Instagram <laughs> videos what what do you <laughs> occupy your time with other than baseball and, um, and working I mean out? I Honestly, um, working out took up a lot of time. Um, I really didn't go on any vacations. I, I went down to San Diego uh, to see some friends and hang out. But other than that, um, really just a lot of time spent at home, uh, a lot of time visiting uh, friends or family that I haven't really got to see in a while. Um, but honestly, a lot of the time has been spent in the gym. Um, and I think that's just because it's my first off season. I don't really know how it goes. And uh, I'm just kind of trying to learn the ropes and learn what works for me. And I think as the off seasons come and as um, I get to another one, I'll have a better grasp of when I need to start and when I need to be ready by. But uh, this being my first off season, it was kind of trial and error. But I definitely think I learned a lot. And going forward, um, I'll have a better grasp on how my off season should go. You talk to any of the players, maybe the older players, ask for their advice on how to approach an offseason like that? Like you said, you're not used to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm fortunate enough to work out uh, with uh, Christian Yelich, who plays for the Marlins. Um, And obviously, he's a pretty big name in baseball. Um, And we just kind of talk about the offseason and spring training, because this will be my first spring training in my first full year. And he just kind of talks to me about what to expect and uh, just the grind that it's going to be, but how much fun it is to play baseball every day. And um, I mean, I keep in contact with some of the other Yankee players, too. But uh, to be able to work out and get to learn day in and day out from Christian, who has kind of solidified himself as one of the better players uh, in the league, it's just been a pretty special thing. Um, And I think that as going forward, I'm going to continue to learn from him and that'll continue to grow and it'll really be beneficial and helpful to me to become hopefully a successful baseball player it seems like there's a lot of these socal guys i don't know what you guys are doing out there but the uh tyler wade is a is a is a socal guy ref snyder so you guys are are pumping out some uh, some yankee players what's what's going on with uh with baseball in southern california 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, first of all, we're just fortunate enough to have real good weather, except for uh, this last two weeks, it's been raining like every day. First first good sunshine we've had here uh, today, but I mean, just uh, fortunate to have good weather and uh, really, really amazing facilities and teams out in Southern California that allow us to play year-round. Um, and kind of just good facilities in the off season where we can work out and get in the gym and get stronger and get faster. And uh, the talent out in Southern California is top notch. And uh, there's a lot of really good talent all over the country, but really in Southern California, Orange County, the San Diego area, uh, even up in NorCal, baseball is just a real big uh, thing and a real big sport. And I think competing against those players and the other great players uh, from a young age, it just really helps us develop and mature maybe faster than some other people, some other players. Yeah, your high school baseball, I'm guessing, was much different than mine. You you played in prep school, so like you were saying, the competition there was probably almost like college level. Am, am I right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, we. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Chaminade, which is an amazing uh, school for sports, but also just an amazing school to get an education from and learn from and uh, grow as a person. But I mean, in our league. Uh, we had Jack Flaherty, Quinn Brody, uh, Hunter Green this year, who's going to be a, a real good pick. Um, a lot of really, really good players have come out of there uh, and gone on to college and some on to pro baseball. So I think just playing that league every year and just knowing the competition you're going to get, um, I mean, it just puts you in a real good position to be successful down the road if you can learn how to play against those teams and those caliber, those caliber of players multiple times a week. So you mentioned that you were going to be going to Tampa and and actually heading down for some some early stuff with the Yankees. Are they doing that captain's camp again? Or is there something like that? Or what are they calling it? Um, yeah, I mean, they do that uh, captain's camp. But um, I'm just looking forward, more importantly, to going down and just getting uh, going again and getting hitting again and seeing all uh, my former teammates and all the uh, coaches I had and just continuing to learn and grow from them. I mean, I really learned more. Um, in that short season of baseball at the Yankees than I have my entire life, um, not even just as a baseball player, but as a person. And um, I think I'm going to continue to grow um, not only as a player, but a person in this organization just because of the people they surround us with and the greatness they surround us with. And it's just a really, really special organization to be a part of. And uh, that's why I always look forward to going back. And it's sad to leave so early, but it's definitely really exciting to be able to go and learn um, from the caliber of uh, people they surround us with, um, the old legends to the front office people, to the coaches who have formerly played uh, in the past, and just the current players too. Everyone is just um, has a real good baseball IQ and a real good baseball mind. So let's take it back like a year to, to last January. Is that when the, the, uh, the draft stuff starts to ramp up where you start doing a lot of workouts for teams, or does it start even earlier than that? Um, I mean, it, it can start earlier. Um, I did shut down. Um, after I came back from USA and I just was working out and I wasn't playing any baseball. So it really started for me in January. Um, I played in uh, San Diego for the Martin Luther King Jr. tournament with my team. Um, that's really when it started for me because that was when I first started playing. Um, and really when you first play your, when you play your first game, it's kind of really when it starts ramping up and people want to know when you're playing and when you're available and if you can work out here and there. But lucky enough, I was able to have an amazing support system that helped me juggle that and they really took all the distractions away from me as far as uh, talking to scouts or setting up appointments or um, any of that stuff. And they kind of just let me go out and play baseball. And I think that's why I was able to have uh one of the best high school years that i've had um for sure yeah that's interesting you mentioned that they uh is it almost like they protect you from scouts do scouts try and get into into your mind and maybe try and see if you'll slip up and say something stupid to see if they, uh, they I don't, can I don't trick think, you into anything yeah i mean i don't think that's uh, a scout ever would try and trick you into something but they really do want to find out the type of person you are and right. the type of player the type of player you are but really the type of person you are um, and so they'll dig deep. They'll go and talk to your uh, principals maybe or some of your teachers or some old coaches because they just want to know who I am as a person and not so much as a player because they can grade who I am as a player on the field, but they can't really grade um, the, pl the type of person I am on the field. Sure, they can watch me with teammates, but they want to kind of dig deeper and get to know me off the field. Um, but, I mean – I was just really thankful to have all the scouts that I did in my area. All of them were very respectful, uh, very honest with what was going on. And um, honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better situation as far as um, advisors I had, family I had, and uh, the scouts that I had in my region. Um, it just allowed me to like put everything aside and just have fun and uh, just kind of enjoy my senior year of high school baseball.
It sounds very different than the NFL where, <laughs> Andrew, I think you're, what you're alluding to is a lot of these these stories, like the Des Bryant story. Exactly, and, you know, when yeah. you're talking about these guys, are they poking prod and they try to find as much dirt out? I think baseball is a little bit uh, a different of an animal. It seems like it, at least. Now, were you? Did you have an inkling that the Yankees were were looking at you and that in the first round? Is this something that you were, you know, kind of expecting? Um, honestly, I what I'm uh, the type of person where a lot of people would try and put things in my head like, "Oh, you're going here, you're going there." Obviously, all the writers have their opinions, um, but I really prided myself on not really looking into that and just playing my senior year and just helping my team win um, as much as possible. And um, in doing that, I was able to be a part of a Mission League Championship, which was one of the first in our school school's history or one of the very few that we've had in baseball. Um, but, I mean, I knew that if I just took care of my business and I took care of what I needed to do and was able to go out there every day and put everything out there for my team and help us win, that everything else off the field and in the draft would take care of itself. And uh, until June 9th or till the draft day, I really didn't think about where I was going to go. And I really just let the advisors figure that out or my family figure that out. And uh, when I was called, um, I honestly couldn't have been more thrilled. I've been a diehard Yankee fan since I knew what baseball was. I grew up a Derek Jeter, uh, diehard fan. He's been my role model, just how he carries himself on and out the field. But uh, I'm just extremely humbled and honored to be able to be drafted into an organization that's had so much success and produced so many great baseball players, but more importantly, uh, amazing human beings like in our society. So uh, we're Scott and I, before we, we called you, were joking because we were looking and you were born in 1997 and Scott was a senior in high school in 1997. <laughs> um, and you say you were a diehard Yankees fan growing up and I, I, don't, I don't doubt that, but you missed, you missed the best years. I mean, I, I became a Yankee fan when I was eight years old in 1996 watching Jeter play as a rookie and then That's they went amazing. on to win all those championships. I mean, you, were, you couldn't even uh, comprehend baseball at that point, so you kind of got it in the later years, in the 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I was um, – I mean, that's not the only reason, but I was born in uh, Morristown, New Jersey. Um, so that um, – I'm kind of from out there. I never – I didn't really live there a long time, but I am born um, in that area, um, that region. So uh, the Yankees are the home team out there. But I did miss the glory years. Um, but I feel like I did pick up baseball and pick up, uh, like, kind of what baseball is all about at an earlier age, age than most. Um, I started playing baseball when actually I was three years old. Um, they allowed me to play with the older kids. Um, and I had a brother who was a little older, so I got to play with him. Um, but I do go back and watch videos of the glory days of the Yankees, uh, just hoping and dreaming that one day I can be a part of, uh, just something as special as those, uh, guys and those teams were able to do. Um, I mean, it just looks like there's no better feeling and nothing better than winning, uh, a championship in New York, uh, or being just a part of something special in New York. It's a great city uh, with great fans, and um, I'm just really thrilled to hopefully um, have the opportunity one day to be able to play there. Do you uh, remember so, your so first, first game? My first. Your first Yankee it, game you went to? Um, I don't, but I, I don't exactly remember, but I know that every time um, the Yankees would come into town to play the Angels. Okay. Um, I would always go to the games, and I was a little kid, and you know sometimes those games get a little rowdy and stuff. So, but I'd always wear my Yankees jerseys, and sometimes my parents would be like, "Oh no, maybe you should just put your sweatshirt on." Like if the game got a little crazy, oh, but, you got to represent. Um, exactly, I always represented, and Yankee fans are real loyal to Yankee fans. And let me tell you, I think that there may have been just as many Yankee fans at those Angel games than there are Angel fans. Yeah, Yankee we fan travel. We, we spread. Yeah, we we spread all over the place. It's the there's a, a very strong New York contingent everywhere. Absolutely, <laughs> everywhere you go. So first of all, I, I gotta. I didn't know you were born in Jersey. You just you just went up another notch in my book. I <laughs> I, I, I like that. I'm a Jersey kid myself. Um, I was born about an hour north of Morristown. So. That's okay. awesome. You were, you're talking about the fact that you played organized ball at three years old. Were you playing t-ball at three years old? Is that what yeah, it was? T-ball, yeah. I was playing That's... t-ball. And, um, I mean, I was still a little kid running all over the place, but yeah. um, they did allow me to play uh, when I was three years old. And um, I did play three or two. I played an extra year of t-ball because I played when I was so young. But, yeah, at three years old, I was out there running around in the <laughs> dirt and uh, trying to hit a ball off a tee and catch a ball and – um, I feel like that's where I just found my love for the game was at uh, my local baseball field, CMU Youth. They allowed me to play a year younger, and I played there from when I was three to when I was 14. So that's really nice. where I grew as a player. That's awesome. So we're learning because last week we talked to Tyler Wade, and his parents were athletes, and I know that your father played football at Michigan, right? 
Eastern Michigan. Yeah, oh, Eastern Michigan. Okay, so you've yeah. got athlete parents, and plus the weather, and playing t-ball at three years old. I think we're starting to realize, Scott, it's all coming together. How these guys are are becoming pro athletes. It's not. <laughs> uh, it's not staying in the Northeast and playing baseball just in the springs and summers like I did. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, a lot of really good players come out of the Northeast, but I, I give them a lot of credit because um, there's a lot of disadvantages to them. Uh, a lot of their seasons start late, and or they get ca- a lot of their games get canceled because of the the weather. So right. a lot. Of, I have some friends in the Northeast, and um, they've gone on to get drafted this year or in the past, and they're having successful careers. So I give them a lot of credit because they've been dealt um, some disadvantages as far as weather and stuff they can't control. Yeah, it hardens so you it, as a person. <laughs> I agree. I do agree. We do have an edge. There's there's a bit of an edge to us uh, in the Northeast. The uh, when you're playing year round, did you play other sports as well, or was it or was it all baseball? I mean, did you play other sports in in uh, in high school and junior? Yeah, um, I played uh, football growing up too. Um, I played it all the way to my sophomore year, and um, sometimes some people would say that I was probably a better football player than I was baseball player. Um, I don't know which one, but I know that I loved baseball way more. Um, I can tell because I didn't really love to go to football practice. Obviously, I love the games, as a lot of kids say. Yeah. Um, but I and loved no one, going. No to one likes getting hit in practice. That's exactly. Not, that's exactly. Not fun. <laughs> exactly. But I, um, I loved going to baseball practice. I loved putting in work uh, by myself in baseball, and I knew that if I loved doing that stuff and I uh, loved putting in work uh, when it, the game, no one was watching and the games weren't being played, that that was a sport that I was ultimately going to choose. And um, I really didn't focus on baseball only until my junior year of high school, and that's really when I became to grow as a baseball player and kind of start to take my game and elevate it to the next level uh, when I was able to focus on like my weaknesses and try and turn them into strengths as the offseason came around and rolled into uh, the regular season. I'm curious. So you talked about all these uh, different people in your life, uh, in your life growing up that helped you become a better player, uh, not only on the field, but off the field. Are, are you watching film on yourself in high school? Are you trying to get better uh, in, uh, in the weight room then too? Are you having, or is it just strictly baseball drills? Um, no, I mean, I, I definitely um, owe a lot of credit. Um, I had a hitting coach named Craig Wallenbrock, who uh, is a pretty well-known hitting coach out here. And um, I stopped going to him after my sophomore year. But his main goal was to teach me to learn my own swing and be my own best hitting coach. And um, so I think that I owe a lot of credit to him because he obviously taught me a lot about hitting, but he taught me more about my own swing and being able to correct my own swing. And I think that's why um, I've been able to have somewhat of success so far in high school and in the beginning of pro balls because I'm able to make adjustments because I've been able to learn and watch film on my swing and be able to point out things um, that maybe other kids haven't really learned about their swing. Um, And also, um, I've been blessed with a great trainer and a great uh, facility and a great like supporting staff over there that's helped me. Uh, and every time I go in there, we start with the weaknesses and we turn them into strengths. And obviously, my strengths we continue to build on. Um, so I definitely have been blessed with an amazing support system outside of baseball that have helped me transition success into baseball. Um, but to me, it's just important. Um, to obviously continue to get better as a baseball player, but obviously to continue to reach out and uh, bring more people uh, into the game and continue to evolve the game of baseball. And uh, it's, I mean, the fans are ultimately who we play for. So anytime if someone pulls me aside, a fan or whatever, I'm always uh, glad to talk to them or sign for them just because they're the reason uh, that we're able to play. And I'm really thankful and fortunate uh, for them and for those people. So you played out in uh, Pulaski, Virginia. Tell me about life as a baseball player out there. Yeah, I mean, that was really my first real taste of pro ball. I mean, obviously, I I played a couple games in the GCL, but still in the GCL, Tampa, it's a pretty – I mean, there's a lot to do in Tampa. Like, you can go eat places and stuff. So um, (laughs) I showed up. I showed up. (laughs) No uh, restaurants in Pulaski. I've been to to Virginia Tech. I got a call to Pulaski and – Hooli, the manager uh, for the GCL team, called me and said I was getting called up, and I was with my uncle, so that was a real cool um, opportunity and moment to share with him, but um, I got on a plane, and it was like a six-seater plane, and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I don't know where I'm going, and uh, we flew into Greenville, uh, I flew into Tennessee, we were playing in Greenville at that time, and um, I got back to Pulaski, and I mean, Pulaski honestly was a really amazing place uh fans they packed that stadium every night and um they may have come from surrounding cities or who really knows where they came from but let me tell you like those fans were amazing the facilities were amazing the staff was amazing there and i don't think there was a better place that i could have started um because yeah i was it kind of was 
uh, out there. Um, there wasn't a ton to do in Pulaski, but the team that I was able to play with in my first half season uh, was amazing, and a lot of it was a lot of their first uh, seasons. Um, so we kind of got to grow as a team, and we didn't really have as successful as a year as we wanted to, or maybe we're expected to. But I think a lot of us learned um, a lot about ourselves and about each other, and about what it takes to be a team uh, by the end of the year. And I think that a lot of us will be friends going forward because of the experiences we were able to share in our first like pro seasons. You know, this is a good thing because this is gonna this is gonna be the start of the the, the Blake Rutherford story. You know, playing minor league ball in, in, a, in a very small town in Virginia. It's kind of perfect as, as far as the story goes. So I'm liking the beginning of this. I'm liking it. Thank you. Thank you. So you, you mentioned it was sort of your first taste of pro ball. And there, I think it, uh, an example of that being that your season ended, unfortunately, with a bit of a hamstring injury. And then there was yeah. sort of this media storm around something that the Pulaski Yankees tweeted. And uh, it, was, it was a pretty popular story for a few days on what was going on yeah. with, with you. Uh, I mean, is that something, was that the first time you would experience something uh, sort of gaining legs like that on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the first real glimpse of the like New York media or the New York fan base that I really experienced. Um, Obviously, I had a little hamstring issue. It was more just precautionary stuff that the Yankees were doing and protecting me uh, just so I could be ready to participate in instructs and further activities uh, down the road. Um, but obviously the Pulaski people didn't mean to put me or the Yankees in that situation. It was kind of just, uh, an incident that didn't really turn out to go the right way. Um, but I mean, it was definitely crazy. And I even called, um, my agents at the time and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what do I do? Like, do I say something like, I'm, I just want to know I'm fine. Like I don't, but, and they're like, no, no, like, it's okay. Like everything will come out. It'll be all right. Um, and I was like, all right, but that, I kind of freaked out cause I didn't want them to think that like something was seriously wrong and, or maybe it was, um, something besides an injury. Um, I wanted to make sure they all knew I was okay, but that was the first real experience I had. And, um, especially when I saw it like on dead spin and, uh, like all these other sites, I was like, Oh my gosh, this <laughs> yeah, thing we really put up something this, about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this thing really blew up. And, um, but I mean, luckily everything was okay and everything turned out okay. And, um, nobody really got in trouble for that. So it was just a freak incident and, um, nothing really was lost, but it definitely was my first real experience about how things could get blown up in a hurry. So I definitely learned a lot from that experience and from that incident in my first season. Yeah. I mean, that's part of wearing the pinstripes. Exactly. Part of, I love it though. (laughs) It takes, I think it takes a certain person. Yeah. When you see Deadspin gets it, then you're like, oh, come on now. Yeah, no, my dad's got to back off. I got like a text from a friend because um, I actually came home. I like came home to start like doing some stuff and just working it out and stuff. And I got a text from my friend. And he's like, dude, like you're on like what's going on? I'm like, oh, man, like I'm all right. Like, don't worry about it and all that stuff. But I didn't even see that. I try to stay off social media because I saw the tweet and I saw um, some people like tweeting at me on social media, just checking to make sure I was OK. And then all of a sudden it just like turned into a huge story. Um, so luckily, or not a huge story, but a somewhat big story at that, like on that day. It, um, but luckily, everything was okay and everything's good, and I'm fully healthy now, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's just say it turned into a bigger story than it needed to be. Than it needed to be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so let's go back to draft day, and there's that video I've seen on YouTube of a "Let's Go Yankees" champ breaking out uh, in your house after you were drafted. Um, that must have been a surreal moment for you. Like you said, you were a diehard Yankees fan. Tyler Wade last week said he was a Yankees fan too, and he actually heard his name being called on TV. That's how he found out he was drafted by the Yankees. So what was that moment like for you when you found out you were finally drafted? Um, honestly, it was just I, – I have so many different emotions. Um, I was overwhelmed with joy and happiness. I was uh, relieved because I could finally just go back to playing baseball, and I had I didn't have to be so caught up in uh, where I was going or – uh, what city I could go to next or um, anything like that. And I was just so joyed to be a part of uh, the Yankees. Um, obviously, that has been my dream. Um, I have always dreamed about, as a kid, I always wrote about uh, playing for the Yankees one day. I dreamed about playing shortstop because that's what I used to play. Um, obviously, I play center field now, so that uh, probably will not happen unless something weird happens, which <laughs> hopefully it doesn't. But um, you got a few shortstops ahead of you, just so yeah, just, exactly. Just in and case they're you they're terrific, so I, I'm yeah. going to try and stick where I am for sure. <laughs> uh, but um, 
no, it was just an amazing experience. And to be able to have just a real close group of family and friends, I didn't want a huge party. I didn't want a huge celebration. I just wanted the people who were really responsible for why I was in the position I am to be there um, and to be able to hug those people and cry with those people and uh, just celebrate with those people. It was just a real special day and a real special moment. And I think that um, the pictures and the videos are something that I'm going to keep and cherish and remember forever. What, uh, what did you do to celebrate? Other than with your family, what was the first thing that you did just alone uh, that, that maybe you, you thought, finally, I'm going to the big leagues or I'm, I'm going to pro ball, hopefully yeah. to the big leagues one day? How, uh, how did you sort honestly, of celebrate? Right after I was drafted, um, right after I was drafted, I said, uh, they, I just like hugged everybody, but I honestly went right into my mom's office, which is next door, um, and I just locked the door, just me in there. And um, I just, I needed a moment to myself. I needed a moment to thank obviously the Lord and God for putting me in the situation for uh, giving me the abilities and the blessings in my life to be able to uh, achieve that goal of being drafted, not only just being drafted, but being drafted by my favorite team and my favorite organization. Um, But after that, it was just all about just talking about the memories, talking about um, why I was able to do like be where I am and just thanking those people for the little, even if it was something as small as going to throw me batting practice or taking me uh, to practice every day or to my games. I just wanted to thank and tell every person why um, they were a huge part of the, uh, this journey so far and why going forward I'm going to need them to continue to be a big part of the journey. And uh, if the Red Sox or the Mets have drafted you, you would have gone to UCLA, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what would have happened, but I'm just thankful that uh, I was able to go to the Yankees because um, UCLA obviously weighed heavy on my mind. Uh, Coach Savage and everybody there, I have a tremendous amount of respect, and I'm very thankful because they took a shot on me as a freshman in high school, uh, and they stayed with me all four years. And um, I could have turned out to go da- uh, downward instead of upward, and I could have gotten worse as a player, but they stuck with me. Um, through thick and thin, and I have a tremendous amount, amount of respect, as I said, for Coach Savage. And um, But the Yankees, it was just a lot to turn down, and the opportunity was there for me, and I just felt like it was a real good organization to start with and hopefully end with. Um, so that's why I decided to like kind of skip the college route for now and play pro baseball. Yeah, dreams don't come off uh, come up that often, man. When something, happen- something like that, when the New York Yankees come calling, not many people can say no to that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 a real special feeling to have them. Any team call, because uh, any opportunity to fulfill or pursue your dream is special, but especially a team that you've grown up uh, loving and watching since you really knew what baseball was. So can you talk to us about that picture? The, there's a picture that's gone around Instagram and Twitter about you holding up that sign. What's, uh, what's behind that picture? Yeah, so uh, my sophomore year... Um, uh, that photographer's name is Eric Dearborn. Uh, he's an LA photographer. He's taken a lot of pictures of me throughout my high school career. And, um, he kind of just wanted to practice one day. So I said, of course, like I, I, it was when I had just gotten back from one of my USA trips. I said, of course, um, I'll come out, uh, take whatever, pick, like do whatever you need. Uh, so we were taking pictures and he goes like, what's your favorite team? We were talking about it. Um, so he just wrote that and he's like, I mean, are you, he's like, I don't want to do this if you're superstitious, if it's going to bother you. I said, Oh no, no, no. Like it's so far away. I haven't even thought about it and, um, I may not even get drafted. So why don't we just do it? And we took that picture and I forgot totally about it. And then after I got drafted, um, he posted it on Instagram and then eventually he sent it to me and I was like, it's just amazing that, um, anything could have happened. I could have gone to college, um, got, I could have gotten hurt somehow, um, I could have got drafted by a different team, but the picture that we took and um, the fact that it was the Yankees and we wrote down and we took it two years before the draft and the fact that it kind of just turned out that way, it just, I don't know, it gives me the chill still that it kind of worked out that way, but that's kind of the story behind it. Yeah, so for people who it may be listening that aren't familiar with the picture, it's a picture of Blake, as he said in high school, and it says, one day I will become a New York Yankee, and it's dated 9-28-2014, which is just about when Derek Jeter was finishing up his career. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, that was that yeah i mean it's pretty awesome it was it was it's still it still kind of weirds me out that it kind of has worked out this way and obviously i still have a long way to go to become a new york yankee and 
Uh, I'm going to work hard and continue to pursue that dream. But to be able to just be drafted into that organization um, after taking a picture holding up that sign, it's, it's just it feels like it was kind of meant to be for me to start my career and um, with the, with this organization. Yeah. Speaking of Jeter, I've seen another picture that you met him. It was in the Angels dugout, right? Uh, before yes. at, at Angels Stadium in the Yankees dugout before a game. What year was that? Uh, that was the year of his um, two of his. Um, that was the year of his final season. Okay, so that was twenty fourteen season, and um, it just kind of worked out um, somehow uh, through friends that I was able to meet him. And um, we, I never expected to go into the dugout to meet him or go onto the field to meet him. I was just expecting to kind of say hi from a distance and uh, kind of go on our way. But I was, I mean, luckily enough, he's an amazing person and um, he took the time. I mean, a lot of people want to talk to him always, but especially during his last season. Um, but just to be able to meet him and talk to him. And um, I mean, everything that you read about him is true. I mean, he is unbelievable, uh, unbelievably kind, uh, thoughtful, just always ask, ask questions about me and how I was doing. Um, and he kind of just took five, 10 minutes away from baseball to be able to talk to a kid who had no idea, um, who I was or like where I was from or anything. It just shows how, um, amazing and just truly like awesome Derek Jeter is. Um, so I was I was also looking at your Instagram and I noticed that your Instagram name is uh, very similar to that of what Babe Ruth's would be. Did uh, yes. has anyone ever pointed that out to you before? Um, they have, and um, it honestly wasn't even supposed to turn out that way. It's supposed to be uh, B A Ruth too, but it's, it it comes off as Ruth, and it's kind of it comes off as Babe Ruth in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just it, it, there's just a lot of stuff that's added up into somehow connecting with the Yankees and a lot of my stuff from the past that or my Instagram name, obviously, and uh, that picture um, that kind of pointed to the Yankees and to be able uh, to be drafted by the Yankees. It's just I don't know. It just feels like there's something that was meant to be uh, with this team and with this organization. Um, and but I have noticed that and people do uh, say that to me. They said that to me in high school, but. I mean, I never really looked into it just because I was more focused on uh, my schooling and obviously baseball at that time. Yeah, I don't think you're calling yourself the next Babe Ruth or anything. No, not not even close. <laughs> I'd be I'd be happy to be half or a fourth of what he was able to do. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we got, got some it. fan questions. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it, Scott. Well, uh, why don't that, you read the first one? The first one's from uh, Marcus Zappia. Is at Marcus Zappia. He says after playing. For the GCL, Pulaski, and Instructs, who are some of the teammates that have impressed you? Um, honestly, one of my best friends, Donnie Sands. Um, he was drafted as an infielder. He's now a catcher. Um, that is, He is one of the best human beings. And I'm not even going to talk about baseball because he's one of the better baseball players that I've seen, especially at a younger age. But just as a human being, he has taught me. He took me in from the start. And he was showing me the way and just showing me how it was supposed to be done. And um, I'm extremely thankful to him. Uh, we were able to be teammates in Pulaski this year. Um, and also uh, just getting to meet uh, like Aaron Judge, uh, James Caprillion. Those are two of the older guys that were at Instructs when I was there. And um, I was able just to learn from those guys. And they also uh, went out of their way to introduce themselves to me and just make sure that everything was okay with me. So um, just to see that these guys have so much going on and um, either they're in the big leagues or very close to the big leagues and to be able to talk to a kid who's drafted and just played rookie ball, it just shows that the Yankees are one big family. And I'm just extremely thankful to those guys. Also, Greg Bird uh, for just reaching out and making sure that I was okay and just helping me along with my process um did you uh I, I know you were playing during this time but did you happen to see any any of the things that judge and sanchez uh were doing this past summer i did um i got i didn't get to see it live but i was playing but when judge and tyler austin went back to back uh i we were all just in shock i mean what an amazing amazing moment and um obviously gary sanchez having the year he had um he's gonna be obviously a very special player and a very uh, integral and uh, big part of the Yankees down the road. So I think that the future is looking really bright with those guys. And obviously there's a lot of guys coming up through the system who um, are going to be very special uh, when they get there. Yeah, that's why uh, Scott and I have been talking to a few of you guys, a few of the younger guys, and you're on the younger side. You were just drafted last year. But it's really exciting for us and the fans to listen to as well. It's because we're now at, at a point where we're, we're – 
learning who the next hopeful Yankees successful dynasty is on a personal standpoint. <laughs> so it, it really does go a long way with, with a lot of these Yankees fans. And as you know, the Yankees fans travel, like we said, and, and they get behind their guys. Absolutely. And I think that's amazing. Like, uh, they'll go to all – I mean, we were in rookie advanced rookie ball, Pulaski rookie ball, I don't – whatever you want to call it. And um, there were a ton of Yankee fans there, and they wanted to know us and get to meet us and talk to us. And they would travel when we went on the road. Uh, there would be Yankee fans there to see us. So even as low as uh, rookie ball or the bottom of the food chain uh, in minor leagues, I guess, um, there's still Yankee fans who are there to support us and cheer us on and celebrate with us when we have success and fight for us when we're uh, failing. So it's a real special thing. We have a question from at Yankees live tweet and they say, what would you need to accomplish to consider your baseball career to be successful? Um, honestly, um, obviously I want to have the championships. I want to have the stats to back it up. I want to, uh, but really to consider my baseball career to be successful is I want to be able to affect, um, and become a role model to as many kids, um, across the country and especially in the city, wherever I end up playing, or if I'm fortunate enough to end up playing pro baseball, I want to be able to have an impact on that community. And, uh, if I'm able to leave the game, having an impact, not only on the field, but more importantly, off the field, um, and to be able to go out there and make a difference in kids or families' lives, um, then I'll consider that a tremendous success for my career. Um, yeah. And obviously I know you've done some work. Uh, you did some work in high school with some, with some, with some children, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I just actually had my, um, first ever, uh, brother brothers, uh, challenge, which is me and my older brother. Um, we are very involved in a group called challenger baseball and it's, um, kind of helping special needs kids play the game of baseball. And we go out there and, um, some of my buddies, some of the other professional guys, Cody Ponce, um, some of my other friends who are playing college or whatever, come out and help. And, uh, we're really just there to help them with, with whatever they need and, uh, just do whatever we can to help them have an amazing time and to see, be able to see these kids go out there, um, and just forget about anything, any of the challenges or any of the disadvantages or anything that they've been dealt in their life. You would never know that they have any of those because of the just how much they cherish and how much they love the game of baseball. It's honestly, if you have never done it, I strongly suggest finding somewhere or finding a group that does it and going just to watch or participate because it'll change your whole aspect on uh, life and especially baseball. It's good that you're you're really taking a concentration off the field with those things too, because I mean, like you're like you're saying, having that base, having that, having that, uh, you know, the will to go and and you know make a difference with some of these kids that that means a lot. I mean, that just gets me excited to to see a, a guy in your position doing that type of stuff. And I know a lot of these guys that we've talked to are doing very similar things. So not only are you guys, uh, you know, the, the guys coming up in the Yankees organization. Uh, some some hell of a good, good ball, baseball players, but it seems like there's a lot of really good dudes off the field and, and guys who are uh, you know very willing to get their hands dirty in the community and do things uh, for other people. So that's that's awesome to hear, man. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's part of the Yankee way, and um, we're supposed to make sure that the uh, fan base or the community is as we're really involved in the community and the fan base and hopefully they're really involved in us and the game and um we obviously all the players bank off each other and support each other and if someone has a foundation or event i'm sure uh other players would be willing to go to it just because that's how we are um in the yankee organization we're just like one big family who support and um just kind of bounce off each other hey blake we thank you so much for joining us this was uh, really fun to get to know you and good luck this season i know it's right around the corner like you said you're anxious to get out there Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much, uh, you both, for having me on. And um, I hope I was able to answer those questions good and connect with uh, some of the Yankee fans out there. But uh, it's definitely a pleasure and an honor to be able to uh, talk on this. And I look forward to obviously continuing uh, these relationships down the road. We are back, and thanks again to Blake for the interview. Scott, it's been a slow Yankees news cycle the last few weeks, but they did announce, or not announce, there was a report that the Yankees are not discussing a contract extension with Masahiro Tanaka. As we know, he could opt out after this season. He's going to opt out after this season, assuming he doesn't blow out his elbow. Uh, What do you think? What, What are your thoughts on Brian Cashman saying they have not and will not discuss an extension? I mean, it doesn't surprise me. They're going to let things play out to the way you know, they want to see how this uh, this season goes. Obviously, I mean, they. I don't think the Yankees are going to put themselves in any position 
with a negotiation for a long-term contract for a guy that's going to command a, a lot of money at this point. They need to see kind of how the chips are, are falling and working at the luxury tax. And there's so many different things that are that are going into it. And they want to see how Tanaka is performing again for another year and see, you know, what that, what that value is going to be. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. Do you think that they're, what do you think is the biggest factor in them saying they don't want to discuss an extension? Is it that they think he has injury risk or that they think he's just too much money for what he's providing them? I think it's also the current state of what their, their organization and, and where, you know, what the, the trend of, of bringing these young guys up and making sure that they're solidified for a good run when when they're ready so I think they want to see how a lot of other things play into it too because you know if these guys pan out and they work out then and, and you know the, the offense is rolling and everybody else is rolling then there may be high, a higher priority to, to lock up a guy like Tanaka to solidify the top of that rotation so I think there's so many different factors on why they want to wait uh, it doesn't just boil down to one but I mean obviously health is is something that's got to be in the back of their minds they need to see if this elbow can last another season I mean he was uh, at 200 innings, or like you say, shy of 200 innings, but he was uh, a hair I short of 200 innings. I report the facts only. So this is this is a, it's a good year for him to to or a good year for the Yankees to assess again and and to make sure that 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 elbow is not really going to be you know any kind of a long term risk. So I, I think they're just waiting and seeing on a, a lot of different factors. We had JJ from Barstool on a couple weeks ago, and I think we talked about this as well. But you guys kind of thought you didn't expect him to opt out. Do you still feel that way? I really I think it depends on on what he is is gonna do this year because I mean you look around what's happening with starting pitching they're not getting these long term big contracts they're just they're not getting these these giant contracts and because especially you've with got guy, guys like Ivanova being free agents you but when have... there's a guy with a, a, a with a, a potential injury risk it would not surprise me it just uh, for whatever reason I, I think that this is a guy also that is um, that is comfortable where he is and he doesn't need money. This guy wants to be in a position I know, it's where tough to he say can, that, though. He, I, I guess. They always want good, more money. I mean, very few and far between you'll see a guy who does not just want the most money. But If he has I mean, an those absolutely dominant year, if he has a dominant year, then he's going to opt out. But I think if he has a year that is... Uh, like last year. Know, Identical well, last season year. to last year. I, then no, I, I'm, I'm saying that was a very, very good year. I mean, he was in, yeah. the, in the top five you're, you're Cy Young that candidates. Scenario. That, if he has a, a year like last year, then then he'll probably opt out. Exactly. So the only way I see him not opting out is if he ends the season with an injury, like on the DL, like a couple years ago. But, yeah, or he just doesn't perform as well. I mean, that's that's a, that's a yeah. clear option. Yeah, that is. I, I feel like that is the I, – I think if he's healthy, he'll be what he's been, which is a very, very good pitcher. So Yeah, ace-ish, I would say. Ace-like. Number one-like. Number one-ish. Do you remember that that uh, Cashman said the same thing about CC and about A Rod when they were uh, negotiating their contract extensions that they were not going to re- uh, renegotiate, and then A Rod opted out and went over Cashman's head, and Hal Steinbrenner signed him to a ten-year contract, and then a couple years later, when CC opted out or was threatening to opt out, Cashman swooped in at the last second and offered him another year at the end of that deal, which is what we're dealing with for 2017, 25 million dollars for. For a number five pitcher, well, he's not a number five pitcher on this staff. This is a this is a guy that might be our number two. <laughs> God, <laughs> um, I I do take Cashman at his word on this one, though. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I think it's general policy. They don't really like to negotiate uh, at this point. They want to. They want these contracts to play out. They they're not going to go into another contract that's going to bite them at the end of it again. I really think they're trying to avoid the, that exact situation. And if it's and if it's a place. You know, if this is the, a waiting game, then they're going to play that game. I think they're in a strong position right now, where they know that they have, you know, a good future ahead of them. Or at least that's the the hope. With that's what it looks like. I don't want to jinx anything with these kids. There's just so many different factors, but I think they they know that uh, Cashman knows he's in a strong position to negotiate. So your um, point about seeing how the younger kids start to shake out and that affecting Tanaka, I actually think is a pretty good one because. If things progress quicker than we thought, then maybe Cashman can justify saying, you know what, we're probably going to need Tanaka if we want to win in the next few years. But if things are progressing slower or if more of the prospects don't hit than what we are already assuming, then then maybe he moves on. 
And that's the thing. I mean, assumptions are such a tough thing to do because if they aren't hitting, like you said, then we're looking at a Tanaka contract if you are going to extend him and, and you're looking at what he's going to be, uh, you know, the year after or the year after that because that's potentially, you know, if they're not hitting this year, then you got to look a couple years ahead. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, there's a lot of different moving parts, I think, with this, with this contract. It's not just on him. He will be highly in demand, though, because he's not 30 years old yet. All right, let's get into some of these mailbag questions, strong mailbag questions this week. So thank you for everyone who submitted. The first one comes from Brandon. He says, hey, love the show and wish you did it every day. The Rangers signed Tyson Ross to a one-year $6 million deal with incentives. What do you think stopped the Yankees from going after him? At that price, the Yankees should have just rolled the dice. So this is a guy that we had talked about a while ago, and I was actually a big proponent of them looking at him and potentially signing him. And if a deal... Like this, like exactly like this, a one-year, six million-dollar deal. I was all about that's that they should they should definitely roll the dice. I've I've changed my tune on this, uh, pretty much a 180 at this point actually. <laughs> now when I saw it happen and I saw the that what he had gotten, first of all, it took a long time for this to happen. So to me, uh, it, it's it's probably the waters are a lot muddier than we than we seem than they seem for the injury, a shoulder injury is a big thing to come back from, obviously. Did I mean, you that's... read what kind of surgery he had back in uh, October? He had a rib removed. So he, so I, I guess his ribs were causing him, or they deemed ribs were causing him pain in his shoulder. So they literally removed a rib so he had more space and mobility for his shoulder. Yeah, that's crazy and scary. And, and how, do you, how do you expect... How do you expect to project somebody to come back from something that they've, they've had their entire life and now it's gone? That's not something to I want to, to touch in free agency. <laughs> no. But, I mean, the other thing about that is, is that like we're, we're, everybody's saying when they saw the contract that he was a one-year, six-million guy, yes, that, that seems like a no-brainer. It seems like a no-brainer with, with upside because you're looking at his past. He was a number one at one point. The guy's got good stuff. Then why wouldn't you roll the dice? Well, the problem with that is you're, you're then stop, you're stunting the growth of somebody who the Yankees want to take a look at and who they believe in. I think there is confidence in the starting pitching for the New York Yankees. I think there's more confidence than we actually think there is than, than has been reported. I think that Brian Cashman and the coaching staff does have confidence in the guys like Sessa and Mitchell. Um, I, I think these, and, and Chad Green, like I, I really do believe that these, they think these guys can be potential players. And when you have a guy like Tyson Ross coming in, coming back from injury, injuries are going to linger, uh, injuries will linger. What, what you know, was that? He gets hurt. And how are you supposed to know what's gonna, what's gonna, what you can expect during the year? And you're all the while you have another guy who's ready to go. I don't know. It just seems like a situation you want to avoid with the the youth movement that they're they're going. So I'm happy that they they pass on the dude. Yeah, he just seems like more of a, he's gonna he's gonna be more of a problem than a solution. So, um, but uh, the Rangers, I guess, deemed him to to be an okay problem for them. All right, we have a voicemail from Wes in Virginia. So let's play that right now hey guys this is west from hampton virginia i just listened to the tyler wade episode and it was really good you guys talked about expectations a little bit i just want to say i think this team is not expected to do very much from everything i'm reading and i don't think that's right i feel like the, the lineup has a lot of power the bullpen is great and the rotation may be inconsistent but every single one of them have done good jobs at some point or another. So let me know if I'm a little biased or what, or if I'm wrong. Thanks. You guys are doing a good job. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Wes. Scott, he was kind of talking about what you just mentioned from Brandon's email, that maybe there's a little bit more optimism uh, with this team in 2017. Yeah. I mean, when we're talking about expectations, it's really just a, it's just a, a preventative. It's a preventative measure so that you don't get too high and then get disappointed. That's that's what I'm here for. I'm just trying to help you guys lower those expectations so that they can be exceeded. That's way more fun than having high expectations and being disappointed. Does does this team? If you look up and down the lineup, I mean, when when Andrew and I were talking, when you get, when we were talking last week about the potential for you know some of the the power numbers for some of these guys, I mean, you you add that up. That's a lot of numbers. That's a lot of home runs. That's a lot of uh, thump in that lineup. So. Yeah, if these guys start to hit, then they could absolutely compete. So they, they could compete a lot earlier than we expect. And next year it could be a surprise. He was just never know. Wes was talking though. He's the lineup has a lot of power potential. The rotation has some has some uh, potential there, and then the bullpen is very good. It's just a lot of things have to all go right for the Yankees to to be better than what we think they're going to be. 
It's not it, they they have no room for error this team. Right, but the 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 positive thing about this type of uh, of scenario where everything has to go right versus I don't know 2 years ago. 2 years ago we're talking about a bunch of old guys playing and we're, t- we're well if injury if he doesn't get hurt if he stays healthy if he say this is more of well if this guy takes the next step in his career. I mean we're talking about young guys who can come up and, you know, who can start playing to their abilities. I think that's a you have, your percentages are higher. It's when, a more fun risk. It's a more it's fun definitely risk. Definitely more fun. 100% more fun. <laughs> I know I'm going to enjoy watching this team win, lose, or draw more than I enjoyed watching the first half of last year. So yes, there there's a start at least. Um, as far Wes, so I think from Wes's voicemail, he thinks that they can maybe compete for the division. I just right now sitting here in late January or mid January, I don't see that being a possibility. I'm I'm into it. I mean, it's, you know, I think they'll be in the the playoff hunt, and I think the the AL East, like it always is, is, is going to be a dogfight up until the last month. I mean, we saw the uh, the Red Sox separate themselves, but you never know. I mean, well, injuries, hopefully they fall injuries can face. play a toll. Hopefully yeah, there's there's show. a lot of things that can happen. Uh, thank you for the voicemail, Wes. And if you want to call the voicemail line, the number is six four six four eight zero zero three four two. We definitely encourage some more people to leave voicemails and. Um, just know that Scott has to listen to them. So if they're really bad, um, you know, you're at least making his life worse. Okay. The next question comes from Lee Jones. He says, with most franchises seeing the concept as being pretty much redundant nowadays, do you think it's possible that another accolade which the Yankees could bestow upon Derek Jeter would be for him to be the last ever Yankees captain? And if not, who currently within the organization do you think might be the next captain? So no, that's not going to happen. He's not going to be the last captain. There's, there's just no way, um, because that would be taking things away from previous captains, and the Yankees would never do that. I have no idea who the next captain is going to be. I, I really can't predict that. I feel like that person has to, you know, present himself throughout his season, throughout his uh, his career, and it just kind of you have to earn it in the pinstripe. So none of these guys have have done anything close to warrant being named a captain. Um, if I were to predict somebody, I, I don't even know. Honestly, it's 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 well, so it's far. impossible to predict at this point, yeah. and it's not because you don't have a captain for every team or every even every era. It's kind right. of one of those things, like you said, that has to happen organically. Derek Jeter right. came into the Yankees organization, and he he deemed himself worthy of being the next captain. And think about it: he was named captain in two thousand three, so it took a long time for him to even be named captain. And that was after he was already had won all those championships and all that kind of stuff. It's not one of those things that the Yankees take lightly. I mean, you got to in order to get that to get that captain status. I mean, there's there's a lot of really, really, really good things that have to happen first. So, yeah, I think predicting the next guy, you know, could he be in the organization right now? Absolutely. There's a lot of very good, talented players that could potentially do it. But a lot of things have to, to go right. I mean, the Yankees have to win championships. They this whoever this person is has to be the leader of the team, has to have you know, good years. And there's a lot of things that have to happen. Yeah. It has to be a position player. Cause I don't think it would ever be a pitcher. Right. They have to win multiple championships. There needs I mean, to be longevity. I yeah. mean, there needs to be a lot of things. The, uh, the list of requirements at this point to be a Yankees captain is endless. So, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a, another captain for a long time. I think because of those, all those reasons, right. unless, uh, one of these young kids, unless the Yankees turn their stuff around really quickly. And one of these young kids turns into the next Derek Jeter, which, Obviously is what we're all hoping for, but the, the chances of that are, are pretty slim. Um, all right, Scott, what do we have next? Next one is from Rudy G. Rudy is a longtime listener of the show, so appreciate it, Rudy. He says, if you had access to a time machine, which game would you go back and reverse the outcome? He gives three, uh, three, possible, three possible chances of, of reversing the outcome. Game 7, 2001 World Series. Game 4, 2004 ALCS. Game two, two thousand seven, ALDS. Um, I we've think, answered this before. Too. Yeah, I think we've, we've answered it, but it's been a long time, and I don't yeah. think it was. I think it was mainly just between Game Seven, two thousand one, and Game Four, two thousand four. Um, right. That Game Two, two thousand seven, is the bug game, the Jabba bug game. As yeah. annoyed as I was, and as good as I thought that two thousand seven team was, that I'm ruling that one out immediately. Yeah, it would not be on my list. Uh, so it's between winning the championship in 2001 or just getting to the World Series over the Red Sox in 2004. What are you going with? So the 
game for me. I mean, it's it's uh, as much as 2004 hurt me because it's a it was just a ridiculous loss. The 2001 loss, because of everything else that was happening, was was the one that that I would absolutely go back and reverse. Yeah, so I think you'd think it would be an easy answer to say I'm going to take a sure thing championship, which would be changing 2001, then a, a possible championship in 2004. But I, as much as 2001 sucked, I'm actually going to disagree with you. 2004 it will forever be the worst sports moment of my life. Um, even if the Yankees went on and lost that 2004 World Series to St. Louis, which probably wasn't going to happen anyway. I think they would have beat St. Louis. Um, I would have at least just taken burying the Red Sox once again for the millionth year in a row. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely see the appeal of that. <laughs> There's no doubt that 2004 is uh, like an extremely close second for me. Um, 2001, uh, 2001 hurt. It was, it was a different, it was a, it was a painful loss. I mean, that was just a, a brutal, brutal, brutal loss. They were not supposed to lose. That was supposed to go down. They were supposed to win that game. And uh, that was, it was a dagger, man. It was a, that was a tough one to swallow. I, 2004 was, was, was hurt for very, very different reasons. It was because it was the Red Sox and because they, they went on to end the drought. Um, you know, I, I don't think they were going to be kept down for much longer, even if they didn't win that year. Oh, I think so. I think if the Yankees swept them out of the playoffs, they were going to fire Terry Francona. And I think they would have probably made a lot of changes in 2005. That was like a team that was expected to win the World Series, and if they got swept, they did worse the, the year uh, in 2004 in the playoffs against the Yankees than they did in 2003. I think that would have probably ended that that Red Sox team. I still can't look at Dave Roberts. I, I can tell exactly. you that. I, I still can't look at him. In the, he still drives me crazy. Who drives you more crazy, him or Luis Gonzalez? The, the, no, the, the whole that play drives me nuts. That, that play drives me insane, the 2001 play of that little bloop going over. So that play kills me. <laughs> so, so it's like uh, uh, the chicken or the egg thing of these. Yeah, uh, they're both know. terrible. Yeah, it's a catch-22. Uh, but uh, but you're taking the World Series in 01. I'm taking the ALCS in 04. Thank you, Rudy, for that question. Like I said, I think we answered it about 100 episodes ago. But um, I'm sure a lot of new listeners since then. So I appreciate it. All right, final mailbag question comes from Greg in Canada. He says, can each of you pinpoint the exact moment you became Yankees fans? Was it a play, a game, a moment, etc.? Mine was seeing Reggie Jackson hit three homers in the 77 World Series as a kid and then asking for a Yankees shirt for Christmas that year. Unfortunately, I misspelled shirt wrong on my Christmas list to buy, leaving out the letter R, so I got a lot of Yankees shit instead, hat, baseball, baseball cards, bat, etc. Uh, nothing wrong with a lot of Yankee shit. Um, we, we, uh, we talked about this kind of with Blake too, in the interview, um, because he, he became a Yankees fan after all the, the nineties wins. But, uh, Scott, what, what was it for you? You probably remember that 77 world series too. Yeah, that's funny. The, uh, 77 series, a couple of years before I was born, don't remember that one, but it wasn't really a moment, honestly, on the field or it wasn't a play. It wasn't a player. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was, uh, it was when I, I don't even remember how old I was. I was young. I was uh, it was the first time I was ever in the city. I want to say I was like seven or eight years old. I went to uh, it was a birthday party and we went to a Yankee game, and uh, yeah, that first moment I remember walking through the tunnel, uh, clear as day. I can remember that. I can't remember ninety five percent of the rest of my life, but I do remember <laughs> walking through that tunnel and seeing that just like ridiculously green grass, um, and then that game just got me. I mean, it, it was, it was. Uh, it was it was being at that stadium and, and seeing everything and how big it was. I think the size really uh, took me. It was also the same time where we left because there were two drunk guys fighting in the bleachers and one dude was bashing the other guy's head into a pole. <laughs> That's that Bronx <laughs> the good, charm. The good old days, yes. But um, but yeah, that was it. I think you know seeing the field for the first time really hooked me, and ever since then it's been. Uh, Obviously, uh, lights out. The old Yankee Stadium, the contrast between the bright blue of the stands and the wall with the green of the grass is different than it was different in the old stadium than the new stadium, don't you think? It's more of like a, a navy blue in the new stadium. Yeah, and the tunnels were different too. I mean, if you think about the old stadium, I mean, everything was closed in, right? So you're literally coming out yeah. of like, you feel like you're you underground. You just see a little bit of out. dirt or a little bit of grass yeah. through the tunnel, and that's it. Exactly. So this was a right field and the outfield, and uh, like the the outfield to the right of the foul pole and just coming out of that tunnel, popping out and seeing the field was, uh, was definitely a cool moment. It was loud in those tunnels too. If something happened, you could just hear the rumbling of the stadium. No doubt. 
Uh, mine was the 96 playoffs. Uh, I remember watching on my living room floor with my dad. Um, he sort of brought me in. I was eight years old. I remember that Jeffrey Mayer game. I can remember the, uh, the dive, um, at the end was a Cal Ripken running down to go to the world series. I remember obviously the Yankees celebrating in 96. So that was really what made me a fan. Um, Greg, thank you for, for the mailbag. Uh, it is sometimes hard to pinpoint uh, exact moments, um, unless, you know, it's a championship run. Like you said, it was just going to the stadium for the first time. Um, while you were watching that game in 96, I was, I snuck out of my house before the game. I snuck out of my house, went with friends into the city, went to Yankee stadium to wait online because back then to get uh, tickets for the playoffs, you had to wait outside the stadium. And then it was just, you just waited. And the, the line went around the stadium, I think three times and it just it just kept they had barricades fully and at like i want to say it was like one in the morning or two in the morning there was like a riot like people started just running towards the the ticket windows or like there was all crazy things were happening cops were like hitting people with with their sticks and i jumped like two a solid a solid two to three hours up in the line (laughs) for uh for for one of those playoff games so that was uh that was what i remember before the game but you didn't get in right I did not get in. They shut out. They sold out. I, I could literally. I was. Uh, I was on river, and I could see the uh, the the promised land, and they had shut it down because they sold out of tickets. Ugh. So no, nope, didn't get tickets. Um, God, that that must have been uh, a fun ride back home to your house, huh? Yeah, I don't remember that. I do remember just being out there. It was the middle of the night when we. Le- I think we left my house at like eleven thirty at night. We're just like, let's go, <laughs> and we went. And uh, I was only about twenty minutes from the stadium, so it was uh, it was fun, man. It was it was definitely uh, it was crazy. It was definitely crazy. All right, thanks everyone for the mailbag questions, and again, thank you Blake for the interview. Um, Scott, any last words before we get out of here? I'm excited for Blake Rutherford. I'm excited to follow his career. I think this is a guy that has the ability. To, uh, to really do some good things, and uh, we might see him shoot. If you can, if you can put it all together on the baseball field. You look at this kid; is six two, six three. I mean, built. Uh, he's, he's got the he's got the the physique ready to go. So he's still growing. Uh, he's nineteen years old. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the physical tools to, to do something. So I think he could shoot through the system if, uh, if if he starts putting it all together. So uh, I'm excited to watch him and, and follow his career. Good stuff. We'll catch you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.